Hello and welcome to episode 249 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Los Angeles. I'm Nathan Fox. With me in Vienna, Virginia is Ben Olson. Ben, how you doing? Doing good, man. We just had a serious lightning storm last night. I thought that my house was going to get hit. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Any trees that got destroyed or fires or anything? No, but trees are down in my yard because, did I tell you that a huge limb fell in my backyard? I don't know. I don't think so. No, it was huge. I mean, it was, it would definitely kill anyone if they had been under it. And it landed right in my yard, which I'm looking at right now. But anyways, that kind of like wigged me out a little bit because I was like, these, my kids are always playing back there and we had just been playing uh, kickball the night before. So I called some tree folks and they came in and they took down some other limbs and then while we were going around the yard, they were like, you got a bunch of poplars for anyone who knows anything about trees. And a lot of these are dead and they're going to be problematic. So uh, I just took out like four or five trees. It was expensive. But yeah, then we had the storm. They finished yesterday and then the storm came in. I mean, it was it was loud. I was waiting for the power to go out. I, I think that trees right around here were hit, but I was glad that we got rid of all the weak ones because the storm was pretty bad. Well, um, good timing, sounds like, to get those trees yeah. out of there. Yeah, glad you and the kids are safe. Today on the show, we have questions from listeners, a bunch of news updates. The first question on the agenda is, uh, <clears throat> does protesting affect law school admission? We have a News item about the LSAT Flex uh, actually starting on Sundays. Also, LSAC is refunding people if you need a hotel room for the Flex. So if you'd like a vacation paid for by the Law School Admission Council uh, and you're registered for the Flex, there's a possible way to do that. We have an update or question about fee waivers and withdrawing. Yeah, we we can talk about that. We have a pearls versus turds with a tip about reading comprehension. We have a question about the Bible versus the demon. <laughs> okay. The the Bible or the LSAT Bibles? <laughs> no, no. The Bible versus the demon. The Bible. Yes. Oh, okay. The Bible. The, Donald wow. Trump's favorite book uh, yeah. <laughs> that he can't name one quote from. Um, <laughs> And we also have a uh, logical reasoning question from Prep Test 65, which is super fun. I can't wait to do uh, more LR questions with you on the show. Cool. Yeah, uh, just some dates coming up. Sunday, June 14th, the June LSAT Flex testing starts. Sunday, July 12th uh, is the July LSAT Flex week. The next registration deadline is July 15th. That's to register for the August LSAT, which I won't speculate on whether that's going to be flex or not. It, it seems possible, seems, you know. You don't need to speculate. It will be. Okay, Ben is <laughs> willing to speculate <laughs> that there will be flex in August. I mean, I was talking to the class last night, and I was just like, well, I hope I hope it is, because mm-hmm. online is clearly better. Yeah. Um. It would be kind of bizarre if they permanently changed the balance of the test. Like if they just went to flex forever, that would be like, oh, wow, you guys just made a mm-hmm. pretty major, not major, but I mean, you did make a significant change that people would be up in arms about <laughs> if you had just made that change, not COVID related, but because you did it <laughs> COVID related, you just snuck it in there. Um, maybe maybe they've wanted to do this for years. This was their, and they, they didn't need to, an explanation, right? They're just like, hey. Well, maybe they're trying to say fuck you to that blind guy that sued them about getting rid of the logic games. Because with the flex, the the games is now one third of the test instead of one quarter of the test. So they're getting rid of the games four years from now. But in the Mm -hmm. meantime, they're making the games worth more. Yeah, (laughs) that makes sense. Um, Interesting. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, and then that that uh, August LSAT is supposed to be on the 29th of August, um, but who knows when, when it'll be if it decides to go flex. Oh, all of the tests for the 2020-2021 testing cycle are now open for registration, so if you want to give LSAC a bunch of money, you can go onto the LSAC website and register for uh, as many of those tests as you like. If you would like to get on our agenda... Just email the show. Uh, that's help at thinkinglsat.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts about any of the stuff we talk about, but also, you know, if you hear random 
like pearls versus turds candidates or uh, any bits of LSAT news that you think would be useful, uh, just email help at thinkinglsat.com and we'll get that onto the agenda. Um, you want to do us a favor, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else you listen to the show. Um, just leave a comment. It'll help people find us. So thank you for doing that. Um, yeah, you want to talk about our uh, ops manager job? Yes, I do. We need help. And we know that the best place to find that help is our listener base. You guys are smart, dedicated, determined, ambitious, forward-thinking folks. And so if you want to bring that talent to us, we'd love to work with you. What do we need help with? Well, the operations manager is going to be someone who wears a lot of different hats. Um, We need help running the demon. We need help running the show. It's always fun and it's always challenging. Uh, I don't know what to say. Not if you're going to law school in 2020. Ah, yes. Good point. Mm -hmm. Ideally, ideally, probably not if you're trying to go to law school in 2021. Ideally, yeah. Ideally, not going in 2021. Ideally, yeah. 2022 or later would be the idea because uh, we'd like to keep you around for a while. You you can work part time. It's hourly. It's from home. Yeah, yeah. It's a freelance gig. Get to get to help us with our crazy ideas. It'll be a lot of sensible stuff from Ben and a lot of just crazy random thoughts from me and hope, <laughs> hoping that something sticks. Um, anyway, yeah, come come join us. Yeah, to apply, just send us your score and your what you think you have that could help us, uh, what you can bring to the table to help at Thinking LSAT. Yeah, uh, but score, by the way, yes, LSAT score. <laughs> we, we do use LSAT score in our hiring process, yes. Um, so please send that to us. Cool, Thanks. all right, first question. Does protesting affect law school admission? You want to read this? Sure. Hi, Ben and Nathan. If I get arrested at a peaceful protest for failure to disperse or curfew violation, how bad do you think that would look to law schools, the bar? Best, Allison. When I saw this question, my reaction was, I think, given all that's going on, most schools and most people reviewing your application will probably be sympathetic to your position, unless, of course, there's something more to the story how likely is it that you are going to get arrested at a peaceful protest if you're being peaceful um, for failing to dis- disperse or curfew? I mean, I guess it could happen, but I don't know. I don't think you're going to face much challenge. And if you do, well, I guess that's the cost you paid for standing up for what you believe. I would be, yeah, I would be much more worried about the you know violence that might occur to you at the hands of the over-militarized police while you're at one of these protests. I I agree with you, Ben. I think that law schools are pretty educated places. Educated people tend to be pretty progressive. And so if they see that you have a protest arrest on your record, that that ain't like a DUI or, you know, like some other type of charge that they're gonna really worry about. I you could certainly like call a law school you're interested in and ask them for their opinion on that. That's people that's a really underrated move. I don't know why people don't do that more often. Just call the law school that, you know, the ones, you know those ones that are begging for you to apply all the time, <laughs> like constantly sending you emails like, "Hey, remember, don't forget about us, right?" Well, use those people. Call them up and ask what they think about this. I mean, how can that possibly hurt you? But I think that they will probably say, "Yeah, things like that is not that's not a character and fitness issue." If you're a you know you're a, a an activist, that's not that's not that's I don't think that's a problem. It might be even a positive for a lot of people reviewing your application. They might say, "Great, thanks for getting out there." My so, guess would be it it would be received more positively than negatively, probably. I mean, mm-hmm. but you could talk to the law schools and maybe even talk to your state bar about it. I'd be interested in what they had to say as well. Otherwise, yeah, just I hope everybody. Um, stays safe and uh yeah man when that wall of cops starts coming down the street to try to clear you out of there from your peaceful protest yeah getting arrested or getting a ticket is not the thing i'd be worried about i'd be worried about the batons and the rubber bullets and the tear gas (laughs) yeah so there's a lot of um anxiety and you know emotions that are running through everyone in those situations. Shit can happen. 
Yeah. Stay safe, everybody. Good luck. Anything else about that? Nope. Thanks for writing in. Yeah, just a quick news item. We talked on the last couple shows about uh, the LSAT flex testing weeks, which uh, are always announced to start on Sundays. And we got this email that says, Hi, Nathan and Ben. Just wanted to verify for you both that the LSAT flex does indeed start on Sunday, June 14. I'm scheduled to take it that day at 9, 10 a.m. Thanks, Gates. So, Contrary to, I, I for sure said, I don't think they would do that, but I was wrong. Um, okay. They, they are starting on those Sundays. So when they hmm. say that, you can actually get a, an appointment for that day. You want to read this next one? Yeah. LSAC, refunding people if you need a hotel room for flex. Oh, yeah, this was one of our students uh, wrote in and told us about this. So I I'm kind of shocked that they're doing this. This is, this is pretty <laughs> wild. Okay. The, the long and short of it is that LSAC is refunding up to $125 of your LSAT registration fee, right, if you tell them that you need a quiet place and then reserve a hotel. A quiet now, place with to, reliable internet. With reliable internet. You have to prove that you did reserve the hotel room on the day that you were scheduled to take the test with Proctor U. Yada, yada, that's not surprising. And there is a cap here of $125, so they're not refunding you everything. Uh, so if you spend $175 or $300 at some <laughs> fancy hotel, well, you're not getting all that back. But anyways, this is what the email says. Dear June LSAT Flex Registrant, we are pleased that you are planning to take the LSAT Flex during the week of June 14th. Um, we have received your request indicating that you do not have access to a quiet space with reliable internet access to take the LSAT Flex. To the extent possible, LSAC is committed to helping all test takers to take the LSAT Flex in an appropriate environment that is conducive to test taking. In order to assist you, we will provide you with a reimbursement for taking the June LSAT Flex up to a maximum of $125 quote, parentheses, USD, okay, thanks for the clarification, to use toward a room at a local hotel room, at a local hotel that provides internet access. We will reimburse you upon receipt of a photograph of the hotel receipt and confirmation that you took the LSAT Flex at a time connected to the date of the hotel receipt. All right. If you choose to do this, we recommend that you consider completing your LSAT writing section at the same time while you have a quiet space with internet access. Good advice. If you would like to take advantage of this reimbursement opportunity, please send a reply to this email to indicate that you understand and agree to this reimbursement, blah, blah, blah. And then they go on to say, hey, look, make sure you know you're responsible for any other costs that you may incur beyond the 125. We're not going to give you more and so on. Okay, so that's the update. You can get some money back if you need to go take the LSAT Flex somewhere and your place is not conducive to that. Yeah, and I there's no way they're going to be able to verify, you know, check like what are they going to do? Come to your house and with a microphone, <laughs> internet <laughs> speed detector. <laughs> so it seems pretty clear that you can just tell them that yeah. So you just, everybody definitely should go get a hotel <laughs> on the day yeah. of the test. <laughs> yeah, you have roommates, you have fam- annoying family members, or just family members. Um, <laughs> You just want to get away? Yeah, you can't get much for $125 most places, but I guess if you get outside of the I get out of the city a little ways, you could get yourself a little best western somewhere. Well, the other thing is you're you're getting a hotel room, so you could drive an hour the day before, crash there. Yeah. Yeah. Wake up, take it in the morning. Yeah. And just make sure your checkout time is works with the test. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that that actually is the potentially problematic bit because the time that you're scheduled for the tests could totally. I mean, if checkout is 11 a.m., then there's a lot of different starting times that won't really work with that because they don't normally yeah. let you check in until before. like three or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You have to you have to coordinate with the hotel to make sure that they're going to actually let you have the room during the appropriate time. Put the the no no room service sign up too. Oh, they love ignoring those. Man, I'm like when I check into a hotel, the very first thing I do is just put the do not disturb on the door and then the housekeeping just it inevitably comes banging on the door. <laughs> yeah. Like, You're like, uh, okay. 
Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. You're done with that one? Yeah. Okay. Fee waivers and withdrawing. It says, what happens if I cancel the June exam I'm registered for with a pending fee waiver? Do fee waivers carry over to the next LSAT if you cancel the one you're signed up for? Okay. The answer is yes, by the way. So. Okay. Because this is the answer here from mm-hmm. Anonymous. Mm-hmm. Wait. I'll try giving them a call again today and asking to cancel registration in June. I got a hold of a representative this morning on my way to work. I called at 0530 hours <laughs> and got someone after being on hold for about 17 minutes. I asked the following questions. How do I go about withdrawing from the exam? The representative helped me with that process on behalf of LSAC. The student also needs to take action for LSAT flex. They need to withdraw from Proctor U, otherwise they'll get marked absent. Will this hmm. affect the status of my fee waiver? No. Once it has been canceled, assuming you've been approved for the waiver, the student is still entitled to taking two exams. Hey, random question about that. Yeah. Why, why does the fee waiver only apply to two exams when people can take the exam as many times as five times in five years, for example? Because ain't no fairness in the world. (laughs) If you merit a fee waiver, we're going to give you two chances to take advantage of that. (laughs) I don't get that. Huh. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know what, though? I I also bet that they would roll over pretty quick if you started agitating, start calling them and be like, hey, I got the fee waiver, but Mm -hmm. I already used my two attempts, but I want you to make an exception for me. I wouldn't be surprised if they just rolled over and gave you the fee waiver for that. I gave you another test. People, uh, this is just a trend, I guess. I'm just speculating, but I would guess that the people who need fee waivers are also more likely going to need more opportunities to get the score they want in general. I mean, I, I don't know, but less yeah. access to money, you're going to have less access to prep. You're going to need more opportunities to, to get a good score. just seems like another barrier. Yeah, it's probably harder for you to, you know, take the test, like get, get away from work and family obligations and whatever else. And just you have less privilege all the way around. So why wouldn't they let you, if they're letting you take it for free, why wouldn't they let you take it more times for free? Uh, hmm. I asked if there was a status of my appeal because my fee waiver was denied. I sent mine in in the end of April, and she says they've started reviewing it on May 16th. The rep said it typically takes two to three weeks. Understandably, they've had a rise in fee waiver requests and or appeals, so it's taking longer than usual with processing and reviewing appeals. Okay, so they've had a rise in fee waivers because of COVID, maybe? Unemployment, I guess? Yeah, I don't know. That, she I says mean, unsu- understandably, but I, I didn't. I guess that's why. Hell of a lot of people out of work. I mean, that would be my assumption is just that people losing their jobs and they get they're more inclined to ask uh, for the LSAC fee waiver. So, um, okay, that's good to know that it's taking longer. Um, I I do think that applying for the fee waiver is really good advice. I mean, it, you don't only get two tests. You you also get the credential assembly service for free, which is two hundred bucks. You also mm-hmm. get a handful of those $45 report fees. You get like eight of them or something, six or eight of those for free. Mm-hmm. Also, if you qualify for the LSAC fee waiver, basically every law school will waive their application fee, which they kind of do that anyway. Most law schools are going to waive your applica- their application fee if you just ask. But if you qualify for the LSAC fee waiver, you have a really good grounds for asking them to waive their application fee. And, um, I mean, it's just hard to imagine a school being like, oh, you qualify for the LSAC fee waiver, but no, fuck you, we're still going to charge you 100 bucks or whatever. I don't, I haven't heard of that, really. So, yeah. Cool. Anything else you want to add about that? Nope. That's good. Okay. Great. Uh, pearls versus turds. You want to drive on this one? I will. I have a tip for this listener writes, PVT which is short for pearls versus turds. Thank you. You want to say what pearls versus turds is? Um, New listeners have no idea what this awesome feature of the show is all about. 
Yes. Well, this is where we deviate from the LSAT and we just start talking about pearls and turds, <laughs> okay. which is really gross. <laughs> uh-huh. No, we get a lot of, you know, people get a lot of advice out there about the test on the internet, of course, a cesspool of information. And the question is, is the advice they're getting a pearl, something they should follow and take heed to, or is it a piece of shit and needs to be avoided? Yep. Uh, or something in between. And right now, we of all of the pearls and turds that have been submitted to the show or pieces of advice that people have sought uh, clarification on, eight of them have been deemed pearls, while 34 of them have been deemed turds and 15 have been deemed ties, which is really kind of not good either. If we had to put those ties into either the pearls or the turds pile, they would all just get shoveled right into the turd pile. Because mm-hmm. yeah. basically, they are things that we would never, we would never say to a student. We would never cloud their judgment <laughs> with those things. So, yeah. in short, the internet is full of bad advice. And I hope that's not surprising <laughs> for you. <laughs> okay. Oh so man, this- that makes me actually. The, speaking of the internet being full of bad advice, um, yeah. My mom just sent, I love her, but boy, she yeah. just, you know, she does a bad job of curating her own mm. news feed. Everyone has their own news feed these days. Yeah. And she seems to be like getting her news feed from crazy conservatives on Facebook. And so she sent out some link about, I mean, it was really, really long. This blog post was super long mm. and it had all of this look, looked like, Science, you know, it kept mentioning all these studies and it kept quoting all these doctor, you know, tangentially medical related, whatever. (laughs) But I took one look at it and I know my mom's news feed and I was just like, hmm, I Google the name of the guy who wrote it. And the first thing I see is him and Jenny McCarthy on TV and he's talking about how his son has autism and no one can prove that his son didn't get autism because of a vaccine. That's going to be tough. Yeah. It's going to be tough to prove. <laughs> and, I'm like, and, and then, yeah, he wrote some book about, you know, anti-vax bullshit. And, uh. and, and so then I'm like, Oh boy. And I, you know, as I glance at the, at the study or the, the big ass long blog post and, I've got a pretty sharp eye, you know, I, and I, I scan down it and I'm like, well, there's a typo. And uh, that's, I see them mention one study that I know has been debunked and I'm just like, fucking hell. And that, you know, my mom is like sending it around to people. Like, you know, I, I responded, I was like, mom, this guy's an anti-vaxxer. Are you kidding me? You were a nurse. You don't believe yeah. that an anti-vax. Like, and she's like, well, but I still think it's really, I didn't, she, I didn't know that, but it's still really interesting anyway. And I'm like, yeah. no, it's not. It's not interesting. <laughs> I realize that I'm doing an ad hominem attack here, right? Just because the yeah. guy's a crackpot doesn't mean his argument is fake. Nonetheless, <laughs> the fact that he's a crackpot allows me to be very, you know, even more skeptical than usual of yeah. his bullshit and i just i i spent i did not spend very long you know i spent 60 seconds kind of scanning it and i was just like nope this does not look like trustworthy information to me so what was the bottom line sorry i missed that part covid's fake like covid's fake well yeah like we shouldn't have done any of the shutdown like none nothing we've done has had any effect uh you know Mm. we we, it, it was just and it's like you know if it had been a more like we can have a reasonable discussion about how much of the shutdown we really should have done. And if you want to talk about like there, I'm happy to have that discussion, but instances where we did too much, but this was just, well, yeah, this was just like basically, you know, it's, it's all overblown and there's no evidence that the social distancing does anything. It's like, well, wait a second. Really? Are you really? (laughs) Anyway. So what is your mom sending that for? She is, she's like a self-appointed ultra-conservative pundit. She doesn't know that she's ultra-conservative because she Mm. lives inside of a conservative bubble. Yeah. Well, if you watch Fox News all the time, too, you just start to think that 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 angle is always 
Yeah. Well, and she watches. And that's like, true, by the way, on any spectrum. After I read oh, Super yeah. Forecasters, I'm like, even you might have a moral superiority. You're like, oh, I don't listen to Fox News. But if you just listen to one channel, even if that's the New York Times or whatever, you're just getting that yeah. perspective. There's a lot of value in going, not lunatics, but all over the map and just see what people have to say. Yeah, anyway, and it's sorry, and it, random the, tangent. No, I mean we were talking about this before we started the show today, right? Like it is pretty crazy when you get outside of your your bubble because mm-hmm. you know I the bubble that I have here in Los Feliz, which is a pretty nice little pocket of Los Angeles with a bunch of like pretty successful like liberal educated folks and it like mm-hmm. you talk to only my neighbors and stuff there's one perspective about the pandemic but you get outside of the city at all and immediately it's just which i'm going out of the city today i'm driving out yeah. to ventura county to go play golf with my buddies out there and like those dudes just are laughing at the whole pandemic they just don't even think it's i mean like they don't think it's totally fake, but they also just think that the reaction to it has been overblown, and and that's not even like that's still like Ventura or Santa Barbara, you know, like that's still some pretty modern progressive folks. But you get, get out, get farther outside the city, or get into anything, you know, at, more rural at all, and if it, then which like if I talk to my family, then. You get in another entirely different. Everybody's having a different pandemic, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you start off with this person is an anti-vaxer. They have discredited themselves enough that I am not interested in hearing really anything else they have to say. So, which I gotcha. think is fair. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Bottom line: internet is not always the smartest place to get your information, but. People send in stuff, and today this person writes, I have a tip for PVT, pearls versus turds. It is, it is very narrow and very specific, okay? But I think it is actually a pearl. I came up with this. Oh, this was this did not come from the internet. This, this is came from invented your... by Sam, yeah. <laughs> well, which is really what the internet is, right? You invent something and then you just... <laughs> yeah. Okay, I came up with this while doing practice tests, but I'm sure I'm not the only person who worked this out. Hmm. I'll describe where I'm at in the LSAT. Okay, back it up. Because I think this only applies to people who are in a similar situation. Special snowflake, sounds like. I normally finish three of the four reading comp sections without issue. Hmm. Three of the four reading comp passages without issue. My accuracy is close to 100% on those three. Sometimes I miss one question in a passage. Okay. So my tip for people who are finishing three RC passages with high accuracy and in taking a test where the third or fourth reading passage is a split passage, okay? Comparative reading. Yep, comparative reading. I do it last. I do this because if I do not have enough remaining time, I will carefully read one of the two arguments in the passage and directly answer the questions. Many of the questions need accurate information from both passages, but identifying the correct response based purely on what is correct from the first passage can often get you down to two possibilities. Okay, but more often than not, if you really read and understood the first of the two passages, the correct answer in regards to the first passage is obvious and uncontested. I've been able to get 100% accuracy on the RC passage by only reading one of the arguments, Even the questions that ask for information from the second argument can sometimes be inferred if you have a full understanding of the first argument. I hope that isn't confusing. Sam. Uh, No, I get what you're trying to do, Sam, here. You're saying I I am coming to the end of the section. Um, I can only do three passages, so I'm going to save the comparative passages. That's where you have A and B left. And I do that at the end, and I only read passage A. And essentially, and notice that Sam says, I only do that for the third or the fourth passage, which if it was fourth, you would be doing it last anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If it was third, what Sam's saying is, if I see comparative reading third, I skip it and go to the fourth. And then when I come back to that comparative reading passage, I find that I'm able to just read the first of the two uh, passages and answer the questions. Hmm. 
Yeah, it uh, when I read it, I, I did I did two minutes of show prep today and actually read through the agenda. Um, when I read that, I was like, huh. Hmm. It's a contender, at least. That's interesting. I think maybe one of the problems we have with um, pearls versus turds is that we also kind of need a unanimous... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard to find a for something pearl. to be a pearl, right? Yeah. My reaction to this was okay. I'm not opposed to you doing this, Sam. You understand it. Um, I still want you to keep working on, you know, getting better and better at reading, so that you do, uh, you get to a point where you're going through the questions faster and then able to finish. I don't, I don't see myself explaining this to a group of students. Like, hey, guys, look. Here's a situation that, you know, might work for you. Uh, you're down to three passages, or sorry, you're down to the last passage. You usually don't get to that last passage. If it's third or fourth and one of those is, you know, comparative, then do this. Like part of the reason I wouldn't explain that, I don't think, is that it is it is a little complicated. I mean, we both understand it. I think a lot of our listeners understand it right now. But I don't know. I just feel like it kind of muddies the water. Like yeah. you got to just keep focusing on owning this passage. That doesn't, we always say slow down, but that doesn't mean like pick your nose, right? You're not picking your nose while you're reading this passage. You're, you're reading it and you're engaged and you're moving forward. And if something doesn't make sense, then you're clarifying that so you can understand it, so you can own it. But you got to keep pushing the ball forward. And I'd rather people just get better and better at reading and therefore faster the questions and work toward that. Yeah, it, 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 it's not, I'm not like excited about it because it's also like a um, rearranging the deck chairs type of a tip. Like people love to talk about what to do at the end of the section, what to do when you're running out of time. Mm-hmm. That kind of mm-hmm. thing, and like that doesn't that doesn't make me hap- doesn't make me excited because, and I think you were just saying this. Your real problem is that you didn't get through the questions on the first two passages quickly enough. That's mm-hmm. your problem. Your problem isn't what you do on the at the end of the test. Your problem is what you did for the first thirty minutes of the section, and yeah. the the biggest fundamental that people miss is if you just read the passage better. You can then go through the questions a lot faster and you save so much time without having to get bogged down in all the bullshit wrong answers. The better you read the passage, the more bullshit the answers will appear to you and you can get rid of them really quickly. And so that's that's what we should really be thinking about, right? So this tip of skip comparative reading, save it for last, I mean, fine. It, like It's hard to see how that really hurts you that much. But then again, I'm not like going to rave about that as a as a tip. I I also I would push back on, um, you know, Sam has an assertion here uh, that they've been able to get 100 percent accuracy on a reading comprehension passage by only reading one of the two, or one of the two passages mm-hmm. on the comparative reading. Mm-hmm. I don't doubt that Sam was able to do that once, but I'm pretty confident that you're not going to be able to do that consistently. There's going to be questions where you're like, huh? Yeah. You know, the, the one thing is I can see how if you saved it for last and then like the five minute warning rang and you're just starting to read the comparative passage, I can see how you could read the first passage and then answer the questions that are explicitly about the first passage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually thought that's what Sam was going to say. Yeah, but that's not what Sam said. Sam eventually said, I can just get them all right, which, I, mm, you, you know, narrowing it down to two is not that good. It's not that good. I, I don't know. There's also this thing. I really don't like the idea of people scanning the questions for uh, questions that only talk about You're one wasting passage. a lot of time. And that doesn't happen uh, in every comparative passage, sometimes there is a question. Most questions in comparative reading are testing the differences between the two passages. Right. It'll now, say which Sam one of the saying, following was in passage A but not passage B. Not mentioned you, in B. You could so you narrow that know. down based on passage A, but you can't 
answer it with certainty based on, I mean, probably not, unless it turns out to be a really easy question where only Mm -hmm. one of the things was actually even in passage A. Yeah. Which I don't, that's just not very common. Okay. You want to be generous and give this a tie? Sure. Ties are turds anyway, by the way. Um, (laughs) Ties are turds. (laughs) (laughs) They're soft turds. (laughs) You live with too many boys. <laughs> You're too comfortable with the poop talk. Okay. Um, that's all I get, dude. I get That's all I get all day. <laughs> They're like farted there. I'm like, okay, it's not funny. It's not funny anymore. You need to leave the room. It stinks, and I don't like it. And they're like, oh, they're like, they're like look, dad's mad. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm, I'm upset. Like, stop. Like, and they're really. all four of them are laughing yeah. at you. <laughs> yeah, well, the oldest one's more like, we we like there, there's more of these like look you know how you like look at someone and you're kind of like rolling your eyes at like someone else we have more of those he's old enough now he's like yeah that's annoying <laughs> but anyway okay thanks well, Sam yeah thank I, you Sam I appreciate that you are trying to fully understand everything that you do read and I give you kudos for that that is your key to continuing to progress so. Keep it up. Yep. Uh, Okay, here's the Bible versus demon question. It says, hi, guys. I represent one of the world's largest religious groups, the lapsed Catholic. You represent lapsed Catholics. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) One of the pieces of useless information I recall is that if you attend mass every day for three years, you will be exposed to 85% of the Bible or around 28% per year. Wait, wait, hold up. So they actually say this to their followers? I'm not a Catholic. I mean, the most I've been to like a couple <laughs> Catholic masses at uh, you know, weddings and funerals and stuff. So yeah, I don't yeah. I was raised in a Protestant household. Okay. <laughs> so but anyway, here's here's the question. <laughs> okay, which has nothing to do by the way with the Bible. But sorry, I I just got distracted by the the precision of the percentages and the fact that they're <laughs> like sharing them at all. Like yeah. it makes me yeah. feel like, you know, these other LSAT companies they're like, well, you know, in the last five questions, whatever, 21% of the questions are D. Like who gives a shit about this? You're like, "Oh god, I I I was exposed to 28% of the Bible this year." So <laughs> We're good. Yeah. I mean, if you are studying, this is the real question from the listener. It says, if okay. you are studying with the demon every day for one year, what percentage of LSAT questions would you encounter? <laughs> Praise the demon and love the podcast. <laughs> Anonymous. <laughs> if you are studying with the demon every day for one year, what percentage of LSAT questions would you encounter? a critical missing piece of information there that Anonymous does not think about hmm. how long are you studying oh, yeah. every day yeah. in the demon what? how long and how like how much review are you i mean geez everyone's different I, we have people who they suck so bad at the games and that's very common at the beginning and so they're doing one game a day and then they're spending the rest of the day reviewing the video and trying to get their mind wrapped around yeah. it and hopefully they get out of that phase but other people are like, I love the games, and they do four a day. So, I mean, this, this is a tough question to answer. It's, yeah, but it's not that tough, actually. I mean, if you did one game a day for a year, you would cover all of the games. It's almost okay. exactly, because we have 90-whatever tests times mm-hmm. four. Yep, one's 360. 360-something, right? So it's yeah. about one game there's per ABC day. There's A, B, C, and J. There's C, yeah. 2, and F. So there's a few more. But yeah. Roughly, roughly. Let's, 95% of the games. You'd cover, year. yeah, in a year, you'd cover the games. And so I, same thing then goes for reading comprehension, right? If you did one mm-hmm. passage, one game, and then I guess you'd have to do like 10 LR questions. Yeah, there's about 5,000 LR questions. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. if you did that every day, then in a year you would cover 100% of the... Well, wait, 500, so you, you'd, you'd cover about 7, 60%, right? Uh, 70% of LR? Well, I'm you'd just saying little... there's 50 per test, so you'd have to do like 12 or 13 a day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. Right? That's the equivalent of doing one game is 12 yep. or 13 LR. 
and one reading comp passage. Mm -hmm. So if that's what you did in the daemon, if you drilled LR, 12 or 13 questions, drill RC, just one passage, drill games, just one game, then in a year you should cover roughly all of the LSAT. Yeah. Cool. I don't think that's what most people would do in the demon, but I mean, I guess another way of looking at it is if you did two tests a week for a year, mm-hmm. you would cover them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Right. So that is, by the way, the schedule for Demon Live. <laughs> for some of the crazy students who are actually doing all of the stuff that we offer now in Demon Live, they yeah. are for sure on pace to cover all of the LSAT in a year. I mean, yeah. we, we, do, uh, we do two full tests. One of them we do all in one sitting. The other one we do section by section throughout the week. So that's two timed tests. Plus... plus. Drilling. Yeah, all the individual questions that we do in the classes, plus drilling, which, by the way, we have a new thing that we're offering now, group drilling in the Demon, where you can show up and drill. Uh, There's scheduled time where you can block out time on your calendar, show up, drill, and then there's a tutor there to help you if you get stuck with anything. Mm -hmm. So that's for people who say they don't have time, can't find time to drill. Well, maybe if you schedule it, uh, RSVP for it, right? Show up, say hi to the tutor, do your drilling, ask the tutor if you get stuck. That's your time for drilling. Uh, and we have scheduled uh, some sessions throughout the week for that. But anyway, it yeah. depends, Anonymous, how much work you're going to do every day. But two tests per week would definitely cover 100% of the tests over the course of a year. Ready to uh, tackle one of the 5,000 LSAT logical reasoning questions that we have. I'm ready to talk Let's about. Do it. Yeah. All right. You want to read the argument? I will. Let me pull this up. Okay. So this is uh, test 65, section four, question one. This is what it says: logical reasoning. When a forest is subject to acid rain, the calcium level in the soil declines. Okay. I will pause just for a half second here. I'm just imagining it raining in a forest, and that rain ain't so great. It's acid rain. And for whatever reason, there's calcium in the soil. I didn't know calcium was in the soil. but That was my reaction. Yeah, I was like, ooh, really? There's calcium just in the soil? Okay, yeah. and acid rain gets rid of that? I'm, I'm thinking that they're probably going to say that's bad. Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound good. If it no. was already there, maybe for a purpose. But we don't know. All we Man. know is it goes down. You know, we're already, just to demonstrate to the listeners, right, we're already doing this question so much better than what most novices do. And it's just that, just take one second and think about it. (laughs) Just have a reaction, right? Just like, oh, like Ben's picturing acidic rain in a forest. I think that's, he's priming himself for, for understanding what comes next. We both were like, oh, calcium, really in the soil? Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I get, yeah, I mean, just to pile on there, I mean, I can't believe how many people just read these sentences and it's just like they understand each individual word, but they don't, they don't understand what was just told them. They read it like monotone. They read it as if they're trying to get through the argument as quickly as possible so that they can get into the answer choices as quickly as possible. And that's the exact opposite of what you really should be doing. You should be the argument is what matters. Like, that's the shit that matters. Make sure you know what's in this passage. Then we can mess around with the question. But first, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta, we gotta make sure we know what's gonna, what the passage is about. By the way, this is number one reading comprehension tech, uh, tip for me, I think, is to make predictions as you read. So mm-hmm. this prediction, and I think you got there too, Ben, was just like, huh, calcium in the soil, but the acid rain gets rid of it? Hmm, that Probably sounds bad. <laughs> like, I'm expecting bad. Yeah. And if it goes good, we were wrong, but so what? We'll be a surprise. Exactly. And we'll remember everything and be ready for whatever they ask. Like, exactly. Okay. So then it says, spruce, fir, and sugar maple trees all need calcium to survive. Okay. Um, they're not talking about acid rain in this second sentence, but they've just told us these three types of trees all need calcium to survive. 
And if you were paying attention to the first sentence, you would have realized you're like, oh yeah, there's calcium in the soil. Okay, weird. But, and it's going down when there's acid rain. And now we know that these trees need calcium to survive. My thought right now is, okay, well, these trees might get hurt by acid rain because acid rain is declining the calcium. But we still don't know that actually because it might not decline it or reduce it enough to hurt the trees. We just know they need calcium to survive. But that's where, I mean, this is kind of going along with our prediction. We're, we sound, it sounds like we're going down the right path. Those two things together make it seem like acid rain is probably bad for these trees. Potentially probably bad. bad for these trees, yes. But notice both of us are saying probably. Yeah. And you definitely have people who, like, I think come to us and say, oh, I'm trying to predict and I don't understand. I'm getting things wrong. It's because they predict things like, oh, well, I knew it was bad for these trees, but it's like, hmm, yeah. okay, you got to right. be careful. Yep. Anyways, make inferences, but only correct ones. The next sentence says, however, hmm, sugar maples in forests that receive significant acid rain are much more likely to show signs of decline consistent with calcium deficiency than are spruces or firs in such forests. Okay, this is the end of the argument. I mean, first of all, you have to make sure you understand that sentence. What I hear it saying is that we had three trees, the sugar maples, wait, 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 is that right? Yeah, the sugar maples are the ones that seem to show or are hurt more by the calcium or the lack of calcium in the soil than the other two. And then that's it. It just ends. Yeah. So this doesn't weird, seem like an argument. Nope. The, it was a weird use of however, because when they said however, I thought they mm-hmm. were going to like completely switch and say, I thought it was could maybe turn into like a paradox question, right? Yeah. I thought they were going to yeah. say, however, these trees actually do better in places where there's acid rain. You know, like what? How's mm-hmm. that? Po-? But that's not what they did. Mm-hmm. They, it was a very odd use of however. And all they really meant was, I mean, because you could take that however out and it doesn't change the meaning of the fact at all, right? The mm-hmm. premise would stay exactly the same. Sugar maples in forests that receive significant acid rain are much more likely to show signs of decline. Yeah. Okay, fine. So I know that it's necessary for sugar maples, spruce, and fir. Mm-hmm. I know that acid rain causes calcium in the soil to decline. Mm-hmm. And then for whatever reason, that seems to hurt sugar maples more than it hurts these other two trees. And I would say the same thing. I would say it hurts them more. But in my part of me would be sensitive to the fact that, well, maybe it doesn't hurt them more. They just show signs of decline more, right? And maybe the others are getting hurt just as much. They just don't show it or something. Okay. It apparently but hurts them more. Sure. It apparently hurts them more. But I... I mean, I do like to get to the bottom of these things, and that's most likely the interpretation, right? Anyways, it's not an argument, and so at this point, I just I would move into the question. I'd be like, okay, I get what you're saying. There's something strange here, but what are you asking? Yeah, it's just like a oh, I wonder why that would be, mm-hmm. right? They've given me a this. I guess we probably have this labeled as a paradox question. It it could also. I don't know, yeah. Mm. Yeah, but it's like, oh, okay, all right. The, the sugar maples, it seems like it hurts them more. Okay, fine. What about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The question then says, which one of the following, if true, most helps to explain the greater decline among sugar maples? Wow, that's kind of the question we had. And they're asking us, which one, if true, most helps to explain why they are declining more? Okay. And I, I kind of um, felt that coming, right? It's like, yeah. well, they... They told me that all it's necessary, calcium is necessary for all three of these species, mm-hmm. but it apparently only hurts one of them. It looks yeah. like it only hurts one of them. Huh. You know, like just naturally, you, if you're reading it, if you're actually comprehending what you're reading, mm-hmm. if you're playing the game properly, then I think you should have a little itch in your head. Yeah. Like, huh, oh, well, I wonder what's going on here. And sure yeah. enough, the question just says, what's going on here? Yeah. Okay. Answer choice A. Soil in which calcium levels are significantly diminished by acid rain is also likely to be damaged in other ways by acid rain. Okay. 
Well, I mean, that's, I, I, I started to hate this answer when it said significantly diminished because I was like, um, we don't know the level of diminishment. <laughs> that's even a word. But I kept reading, and by the end I hated it because I'm like, yeah, but how does this distinguish between the three types of trees? I need to know what's different about sugar maples. So, out. Okay. B, sugar maples that do not receive enough calcium deteriorate less rapidly than spruces or firs that do not receive enough calcium. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's probably chosen kind of a lot mm. uh, because it is on target. It's it is just, telling us something different about the trees. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just that it's exactly backward. So <laughs> yeah. B is talking about the right stuff. It's just that it makes it harder to understand why the sugar maples are showing more of the signs of decline rather than explaining why they're showing more of the signs of decline. <laughs> if B is true, they, that sugar maples that do not receive enough calcium deteriorate less rapidly then why yeah. are they the ones that are showing more of these signs of decline? Yeah. So it, it is on target. And, and all you'd have to do is change the less there to more. And it would 100% be correct. Yeah. C. Spruce and firs, unlike sugar maples, can extract calcium from a mineral compound that is common in soil and is not affected by acid rain. Okay. So it tells us something different about sprues and firs that could explain how they get calcium even when there's uh, acid rain. I like this answer. I would keep it open. Yeah, it's a diff- it's, it's, we were asked to explain this apparent difference between how sugar maples and these other trees deal with acid rain and the resulting decline of calcium mm-hmm. in the soil. And C is giving us the difference between the two. And it, it gives yeah. us the difference between the two in a way that makes it like, oh, I can see why the spruces and firs can like roll with it. Whereas the sugar maples, if they don't have this way of getting the calcium, then okay, they're screwed maybe. Yep. Yeah. It's a satisfying explanation, right? It's a paradox question. I was curious. C gives me that satisfying solution. It's like I had the itch. Before I looked at the answer choices, I had that itch of like, huh, why? Huh? Mm -hmm. And then the correct answer, I can feel the itch getting scratched. It's like, oh, okay, well, if that were the thing, then sure, that would explain it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. D, sugar maples require more calcium in the spring and summer than they do in the fall and winter. Okay, it doesn't tell me anything about uh, spruces and firs. This is out. Yeah, and doesn't even say anything about acid rain or like, I don't, I don't know when their acid rain is more, whatever. That doesn't do anything. Yeah. E, unlike spruce or firs. Okay. Most sugar maples are native to areas that receive lots of, a lot of acid rain. Okay. So they're native to areas that receive a lot of acid rain. I would expect them to do better, not worse. Yeah. If Um, anything, I think that makes it harder to understand the paradox. I think it also probably just doesn't do anything, anything. because yeah. we like, know oh. that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean this this the study, or if it's a study or whatever here, there's just a fact, right? That says mm-hmm. sugar maples in forests that receive significant acid rain are much more likely to show signs of decline consistent with calcium deficiency than are spruces or firs in such forests. So we're only talking about these kinds of trees in a forest that's getting a significant amount of acid rain. Mm-hmm. Just saying, yeah, sugar maples tend to be native to these forests. I don't. So what? They need calcium. The calcium's getting leached out of the soil by the acid rain. Why are they not rolling with it? I would also push back on the idea that the native the the, the native thing really matters because I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think acid rain is like a thing that happens a lot in nature before um, humans started polluting yeah. like you know so the fact that you're nat- I don't think you were native to a forest with acid rain before like the trees were there way before the acid rain was there so I don't think that you know any kind of like evolutionary explanation doesn't really seem to make much sense there yeah cool so the answer is C cool C 
Yeah. yeah, that was fun. That was fun. All right, I guess that's about it. We need a oh. personal statement. Yeah, we do need a personal statement. Email help at thinkinglsat.com with your personal statement. Uh, please make it. Do your best. Please make it as good as you think it can possibly be. Read it yeah. out loud multiple Have times. read it. <laughs> Have other people read it out loud. Get your most asshole friend to read it. Not your nicest friend, <laughs> your meanest friend. Mm-hmm. And have them read it. People that are going to tell you honest things about it. And then fix it and edit it and then do that again and then send it in to help at thinkinglsat.com and we will um, rip the shit out of it for you. To your benefit. <laughs> so You can join the Thinking LSAT podcast group if you're still on Facebook. Uh, I am not on Facebook. I mean, I still have an account, but boy, I'd never look at Facebook. But we do have... I don't know, a couple thousand people in the Thinking LSAT podcast group. So if you want to join the community there, you are more than welcome to do that. We are at Thinking LSAT on Instagram and Twitter. I am at NFox on Twitter. Ben, do you want to give your Instagram handle? Innovator Ben, yep. Innovator Ben, at Innovator Ben on Instagram. That's Ben Olson. Um, LSATdemon.com is our joint LSAT class. We've got three different levels of subscription for you. It is everything you need for LSAT prep, I promise you. We got an email today. Should I just read this real quick? This was an update from Matt. A student writes in and says 146-176. Hi, Ben and Nathan. (laughs) Say that number again. (laughs) 146 to 176. Holy smokes. It says, hey, Ben and Nathan, I've been a longtime podcast listener and a Demon subscriber. My LSAT journey has thankfully come to an end, and I just wanted to thank you guys for everything. I don't think my progress would have been possible without the podcast or the Demon. I really appreciated that you guys don't mince words. It made me understand how much of an uphill battle my LSAT journal journey would be. Once again, thank you so much, and praise the Demon. And I don't know if we have permission to share this on the show, so I'm not going to say her name. Um, but wow, thirty points. Hmm. Yeah, pretty pretty sweet, huh? Yeah. This student, by the way, started studying with me. Yeah, I have I have emails from her back to the summer of twenty nineteen. Hmm. So you know she she gave it a uh, almost a, a full year at least. Yeah. But ended up with a just crazy, life-changing amount of improvement. Such a difference. I mean, sometimes score. people start with 146 and they go to the low 160s. That's dramatically different. That's a totally different ballgame. But to go to a 176, man. Yeah. Yeah. Just just incredible. So, um, and hey, you know, it's because she worked her ass off, really. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're here to help, but it's, it is going to take the student um, just busting their ass and if you bust your ass you get rewarded man on the LSAT that is the truth it is a learnable test yeah you you have to work but it is learnable anybody mm-hmm. who says it's not is totally full of shit <laughs> oh my god I've seen so many people improve by 10 15 20 points it's pretty rare to have a you know 30 point increase but that's 15 like and say- 20 is common yeah. You know, like you get that question, like, how do you know if you've plateaued and you can't go any further? I'm like, I don't, I don't think there's ever like a, a I mean, there's got to be some ceiling somewhere. Yes. But like, couldn't you just do more, <laughs> like dig in a little bit more and get better? And like, I, this idea that you can't, can't make progress is. Yeah. I'm like, how does a lawyer know when they're ready for trial? You know, it's like they probably never really consider themselves to be ready. They get, you know, they work their ass off, get continuances, keep working on it as long as they possibly can. And then when they have to actually go, then they go. Mm -hmm. But it's like you're, it's, yeah, your, your improvement is limited by how much time and effort you're willing to put into it. Yeah. That's pretty consistent. That we've seen it a lot over the years. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to add? No. 
Cool. That was episode 249 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school.